Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yeah, it's a really good catchphrase, but I'm curious as to the situation that you developed that in. Like, what made you think, okay, I'm gonna come up with a catchphrase. I'm gonna say good morning, and then because I don't think I'm gonna see them, I'm gonna say all the rest of them, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Where does that come in? Because if I could somehow bottle that catchphrase juice, I'd totally use it myself. There we go. The psychology where psychology meets film. Hmm. I like that. Hmm. And welcome to the Cinema Psych Podcast, the podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swan, and today's episode, we are going to delve into the early workings of what probably was the beginning of the reality TV movement. That's right, we're going to be talking about The Truman Show. Film came out in 1998. Yeah, of course, some reality TV shows had been on the air before that. Real World and Road Rules on MTV. But honestly, this is like the intro to the last 20-some years of watching people be uh, themselves, I suppose, But there is one big difference. The Truman Show is about a guy who has no idea that he's being watched. Uh, And this film watches him, and we watch him in this film, sort of a meta watching of of somebody watching. In any case, we watch him realize that his life is a bit of, a bit fake, we'll say. A bit, a bit, just a, just a bit fake. The film stars Jim Carrey as the eponymous Truman Burbank, and um, some some other big names are in here. Ed Harris plays Kristoff, who we'll be referring to quite a bit. Uh, he is the creator and executive producer, director. I'm, I'm sure he writer. I'm sure he has all all of the hats for the Truman Show. Specifically, Laura Linney plays uh, Truman's wife, Meryl. Uh, Noah Emmerich plays his best friend, Marlon. Um, Natasha McAlone, I think that's how you say it. I'm I'm not very good sometimes with Scottish names, but uh, or uh, Irish names. But uh, she plays Lauren, the sort of person that is the impetus for all of the uh, thinking in Truman's head that this isn't real. Uh, and then a couple of other uh, big names uh, appear in very small roles. I was surprised to as I rewatched this. I've probably seen it maybe three or four times, but it has been a while since I've seen it. I was surprised to see Paul Giamatti as a, a you know a guy with a few lines. He plays the director, uh, or at least the control room director. I was surprised to see him, but there he is. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this film has been um, a staple, I think, in Jim Carrey's career, and we're going to explore this in our episode. The other thing that I wanted to um, mention is that uh, the podcast, as I think I've mentioned in maybe one or two episodes previously, the podcast was um, uh, granted a small amount of money from the Society for the Teaching of Psychology, APA Division Two. So um, we are have been supported by uh, organizations. So we 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 have we have made it, y'all. We have made it. And with that, let's jump in to this film discussion: the psychology of the Truman Show. 
my guest host today is Maywish Safdar. Now, this is a, a bit of an interesting guest because she is not a professor or an instructor of psychology. She's actually a psychology undergraduate. And I wanted to do this special episode because she cold emailed me. Well, through uh, Dr. Ellen Carpenter uh, at uh, Virginia Commonwealth. Cold emailed and was like, hey, I'm interested in talking about uh, movies. And psychology. And I thought to myself, now that's a go getter. So if she wants to be on the show, and you're going to love it. Maywish is a junior at Virginia Commonwealth University uh, studying psychology and sociology, which is an awesome combo. Um, really perfect combo, especially with our conversation today. She enjoys film. I mean, that's a bit of a no-brainer if she's going to be on the show, right? And finding the psychology in those films. So, Maywish, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, and also a shout out to Dr. Ellen Carpenter for introducing me to you, which led me to this opportunity. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. Well, I am happy to have you on. Um, and so as I do with all my guests, regardless of who they are, um, I first want to ask you about film as uh, as your as our, your intro bio said, you enjoy film. So let's let's talk about that. What do you love about movies? What 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 draws you to films? And is there anything that you uh, just have to sigh and roll your eyes about it? Well, first of all, who doesn't love film? <laughs> I know a few people. Wow. I'm <laughs> <laughs> real. Wow. But. I love um, observing people and figuring out why they act the way they act and why they are the way they are. It's film gives good examples with psychology and sociology. Yeah, that's I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, right? Because I just saw a lot of uh, of it in movies. And so I just wanted to keep watching more and more and more. So, yeah. I share that um, I share that perspective and love with you. Okay, so um, how many of your professors do assign movies in their classes? Wow, I don't think any of them have. You're gonna put VCU on blast. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of them have. Oh, VCU professors. <laughs> I mean. You're missing an opportunity. You have at least one student, and I don't know how big the major is, but you have at least one student, and that is one too many, who are asking, nay, demanding that you get some films in your classes. I could start it. Do you yeah. agree, Maywish? You want to yes. start a petition? <laughs> okay. They can hire me. It's Perfect. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to uh, our current movie that we're going to talk about. And um, it's a fun one. It's The Truman yeah. Show. Film came out in 1998. Uh, probably Jim Carrey's first foray into drama. And so what made you uh, decide this film in particular? Um, well, I was looking through which film could be used for this podcast that's that fits psychology. And when people first think of psychology and film, they think of the obvious ones like Sons of the Lambs, um, mm -hmm. A Clockwork Orange, yeah. stuff like that. And the Truman Show isn't the first thing that comes to their mind. But I, I didn't yeah, think of it. But it makes so much sense. It's all psychology, it's manipulation. It's basically uh, what kind? What what film did you uh, uh, equate it to? It's basically the PG version of 1984. That's an interesting. And you've seen 1984? No, I've read the book. Ah, oh, you've yeah. read the book. Okay, now I get it. So I, I I see where you're going with it. I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, that's good. I completely miffed on including this. And I think it's probably because I hadn't seen the movie in a while. Uh, probably going on 10 or more years, maybe. And so it, it wasn't on my radar at all as a psych film. But, you know, when I saw it on your list, I was like, oh, my God. 
I am <laughs> such a dummy. That's she's she's one hundred percent right. And so I saw that and I said, okay, we're, we're, we got to do that one because A, I love the movie. B, I love Jim Carrey. And C, it's got Psych Hollow all over, all over in it. And it was awesome to actually rewatch the movie with that lens because yeah. I want to say that I, the last time I, I had seen it was probably pre, at least graduate school. So pre-2009. So I I actually got to watch it with a uh, 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 new set of uh, of lenses. So I want to thank you for that because I always, I mean that's all what I tell my students. I say you know you've even if, so we pick a popular movie like Inside Out or something like that. You know they've probably seen the movie and they're like okay you've seen Inside Out but stay with me because you're gonna watch it with the new lens. You're gonna watch it with the psych lens. So uh, perfect pick, perfect pick. So. I want to give you the floor first on the strongest one the, or the strongest uh, concept that you pulled from the film. What would be what would be your OK, your 30 second spot may wish you're on the spot. Give me a side concept from the Truman Show. Ready, go. The conformity. It's all con- the yeah. conformity. OK, um, it's like the whole entire movie is that because. The way the actors have to act, they're just conforming to a perfect society that doesn't exist, I guess. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, The media and the government play a really big role in the show, the Truman Show. And I thought it was really interesting how throughout the show, they were advertising products. And even in one of the interviews, Christoph said that all of the products were no, everything in the show was on sale. Yeah, it was on sale, and he, yeah, he said that um, that there are no ad, there are no ads, and so they have to pay for the show through these direct product placements, which I thought was uh, uh, more an omen. Now, in hindsight, Kristoff uh, was telling us something in 1998. He sure was. Uh, okay, so conformity—the biggest idea coming out of out of your mind. Okay. Now, what what I would say um, is the biggest thing in my mind is actually the ethics of the entire plot of the movie, right? So uh, Truman uh, was born and essentially sold into the custody of somebody. Uh, and he was raised in this closed environment, and uh, he was the only true man. That's what the name Truman is, because he's the only true person in there. Um, and uh, so, basically, a baby is born, sold, and and given cust and and given to the custody of a um, quite a quite a, a strange person. Christoph wanted to play God in some manner of speaking. I know you better than you know yourself. You never had a camera in my head. You're afraid. That's why you can't leave. It's okay, Truman. I understand. I have been watching you your whole life. I was watching when you were born. I was watching when you took your first step. I watched you on your first day of school. (laughs) The episode when you lost your first tooth. (laughs) You can't leave, Truman. You belong here. Talk to me. Say something. Well, say something, goddammit! You're on television! You're live to the whole world! In case I don't see you, 
you know, the this this is a perfect movie to talk about ethics without actually having to reference anything that is that is real. You know, um, like have you have you discussed um, the past ethical issues uh, of psychology, Mewish? Uh, no. Haven't got haven't gotten there yet. No. So um, humans have been really mean to each other um, over the course of of human history. Would you agree? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and and the study of psychology has honestly been not very different. Um, and so one thing that you could do with this is not actually have to. Of course, you'd want to um, present what the ethical issues are or were from real life but this offers a, a window into a hypothetical situation that has tangible things that you can associate with it and so you know ultimately everyone i think would agree that this is an unethical thing that christoph is doing and somehow the world is okay with it yeah no that's so true that it's so it's disturbing because they're so into it and they like they know that if it was them they would not like it so why are you, are they enjoying it if it's somebody else right yeah it's very uh it's, it's really voyeuristic right you would have to to consider how just how voyeuristic um society had become just by this show and i know we watch a ton of reality TV. Reality TV has been a very dominant force in television over the last, uh, you know, 23, 24 years since the movie came out. Um, but uh, those people are at least they know what they're doing they know, or, and they know what they're getting into. So it's not really a good analogy because Truman was n never knew. In an, I, I was reading in an alternate draft of the script. It was going to be far darker. Um, is when he walks through the sky at the end of the dome, and he gives his bow and he says, you know, his catchphrase, and then he walks out, and then the movie ends. Um, they were going to actually show um a ton of people cast and and um, Kristoff and on the a ledge of some sort out that door. And they were gonna. It was gonna be all heartwarming, except Truman was gonna be all ragey, and he was gonna try to um, uh, choke and suffocate Kristoff uh, for what he had done. Yeah. So that's how the movie would have ended had they gone the darker route. Wow. I always wondered what would have happened on the other side of the door, because we saw Meryl. No, not Meryl. Sylvia. Mm -hmm. running down the stairs and i wanted to see what would happen yeah um i was it was uh somewhat um poignant but of course the voyeur in us uh ultimately unsatisfying ending but it was it's perfect because we no longer get to watch truman now that he's not on the set anymore yeah our 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 voyeurism of Truman is done. He's no longer he's no longer camera ready. You know, he's we don't get to we don't get to see anymore. It's true. So what's your next big uh, big psych concept that you spotted in this movie? Oh, I found that when they staged Truman's father's death. Mm hmm. That was a form of classical conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, ex if it is classical conditioning, explain to uh, the listeners here what um, what it acts as the conditioning apparatus. The death of his father is the unconditioned stimulus. Mm -hmm. Truman's response of fear was the unconditioned response. Mm -hmm. yep. And the association of water with the unconditioned stimulus that water then becomes a conditioned stimulus that produces the conditioned response. That was very, very good. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely right. And uh, when that occurs, we get um, this specific form 
um, called fear conditioning because this is obviously the fear. And this is how many phobias are born. And yeah, I did spot that in the film too. So um, well done uh, on the the uh, the tra- the tracing there of all of the pieces. So any any other um, any other things you noticed? Um, when he overcome his fear, that was extinction. Yeah. When he was trying to get to his, um, to the wall, the end. Yeah. yeah, he was, I guess, trying to see what was going to be at the end. But yeah, he ultimately hits a wall. Right. Um, yeah, that's very good. Um, I, I was reading, um, more of the trivia because I, sh- I just can't get enough of it. Um, I was reading that. The return of Truman's dead father basically caused the extinction in a sense because the thing that was uh, the the thing that was causing the 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 phobia, the one time connection of the death of his father to the water um, was no longer there that he no longer had to fear the water because uh, his dad was alive and because they wrote that back into the show. First, it was a break in. Then they had to, you know, they had to um, write him back into the show because Truman already knew that it was his dad and he wasn't going to let it go. Yeah, I found him for you, Truman. That's why I came by tonight. Sure, he's got quite a story to tell. So, um, that was a that's a good catch. That's okay. a good catch. And he wasn't really scared of water. He was just scared of the sea because he could drink water. Yeah, right. It was it was more of it being a a transportation um, medium, right? To yes. to go on on a boat, right? It was specifically the choppy waters. Yeah, and yeah, right. It didn't. It did not generalize to other forms of water how rough would that be you can't drink this water (laughs) uh that would that would be that would be quite interesting um but but it but you're right it's extinction immediately because he ends up uh and there's I, i would be surprised if there were any spontaneous recovery of that um because again the only stimulus was his father's death drowning that's true yeah um so that would be uh that, that would be interesting okay um and and i i spotted that one too uh, the other thing that i noticed uh, uh as well is he was he had a um fear of dogs um and that is because um when he was a kid they purposefully like sicked the um neighborhood animals on him Really? Yeah. Is that in the movie? Yeah. I don't remember you, that. Yeah, you see it very briefly that when he's a kid, they they uh, essentially allow the dogs, they train the dogs to jump on him. Wow. And they probably did that for a long time while he was a kid. Did it with maybe slightly larger than him dogs, 
when he was a you know a toddler, an infant, a toddler, and then as he get got bigger and bigger and bigger, the the dogs seemed to stay the same size. But at least I think the dog in the beginning of the movie is a Dalmatian. I think it was. So I mean, the dogs are getting bigger as he's getting older. But um, yeah, that's one thing that I that I spotted, um, which is kind of funny because uh, on the previous episode we did Awakenings, and um, Dr. Sayer in that movie is afraid of dogs. So I thought that was interesting. The two back-to-back films on the show have a guy, have a nervously uh, awkward dude being um, af- afraid of dogs. <laughs> quite, quite the connection there. So the other thing um, that I thought was interesting in the movie was fame. Um that this film is or this film, this TV show has been going on for 30 years, almost. Um, somebody worked out the math using the uh, the fact that the movie starts on day 10,909 or something like that. They worked out when Truman was born and everything. Um, and uh, uh, with with other information. So I thought that was really cool. But, you know, this thing's been going on for 30 years. The biggest, biggest phenomenon on the planet you could see it from space and and the interesting thing is one of the one of the slogans and i would imagine an unofficial slogan uh for the movie was um you know do it for him or protect him or something like that and christoph's fame and just keeping the charade going um you know leads him to ignore his uh, you know his mantra or something like that the execs obviously didn't help the the tv execs the network execs obviously didn't didn't help they were like ah we gotta do this um the fact that the father was written off the show but broke in to see him again and and be a part of the show you have to wonder okay was he doing it for truman or was he doing it for himself um the fact that this that these people can keep up this lie to be a part of this show oh maybe truman will interact with me today um oh my god i'm I have to be I have to interact with Truman today like the the bus drivers or the the bus driver or then the boat driver couldn't drive the boat or drive the bus because he doesn't interact with Truman. (laughs) So this behemoth became, uh, you know, a 2008 moniker, uh, you know, a, a slogan which was too big to fail. The show was too big to fail. And and fame just covered people's eyes because they're like, I'm going to be on the Truman Show. And fame is, it's just crazy that that's just what Christoph was after the whole time. And the limits that, the lines that he would cross just to stay famous. Just to stay relevant, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, yeah. um, he makes the comment as the storm is going on and they're trying to, to have Truman row back to shore. He's like, no, you're you're gonna see him die on TV then, or or something to that effect. It, it, I was is first time I saw it, it was very jarring. Like, oh, he actually wants to see this see this thing through so organically that he's willing to to uh, have uh, c- commit manslaughter basically. Yeah, just to keep that money. <laughs> just to keep something going, maybe just just. To, own bloated ego so very narcissistic um this christoph uh because not only does he want to see his vision go through he wants truman to know what he did for him how he did it which is so godlike delusions of deus yeah it is and it's like what really got me was the end when i watched it carefully (laughs) that all of that never mattered i'm not sure this is not really the bystander effect but i guess it's similar to that that the two guys at the i don't know if they were policemen or not mm. but when the show was over they were just like okay what else is on <laughs> like it, it was never relevant it was they don't understand how big of a deal this actually is that 
this is someone's life. Yeah. But it's just a show to them. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't actually think of of the viewers in that way or the the you know the um off the cuff. Is there anything else on? That and this is a very interesting Christoph point. Christoph is like so he's so into keeping the show running, but the viewers really could care less. I wonder if um they would change the channel or if they if they do care. I mean there were what appeared to be devotees. The guy who was getting all pruny in the bathtub the entire time. <laughs> he was in that bath for a long time. <laughs> yeah, what? Um, it's it's uh, it's strange. It really is. Um, but that's a good point. I like it. What? Yeah, that what, really kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Um, what 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 else did you did you spot in the movie? Um, I found that the whole movie is an example of reciprocal determinism. Wow. Okay. What is that? I, I actually don't know what that is. I remember learning about it in Dr. Carpenter's class. <laughs> I hope she's proud of me. <laughs> I'm sure she will be. It's when a person changes because of their behavior, the environment, and other certain factors. Mm -hmm. So, like, in the beginning of the movie, when everything was normal for Truman. He acted normal. The environment was normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was no suspicious thoughts. Mm -hmm. But then when something abnormal occurred, like it started with the light falling down and then, mm -hmm. yeah, people just acting weird. He started having suspicious thoughts. Then he started acting abnormally. Oh, it's like a, it's like a triangle. Okay. Yeah. I, I dig it. I dig it. Of course, the only thing that pulled him out of the normality was, you know, the light falling and then him seeing his seeing his dad, which I guess w what what we don't know in that reciprocal determinism triangle is what other suspicious things has he come across? What other um, abnormal things have occurred that came prior to us? being inserted in that situation because it could be all a lot of little things or it could just have been the one light but of course we learn later that sylvia was one of them yeah i like that um it is a good example of reciprocal determinism how i'm trying to think now of other movies that that would fit that bill because that would be a nice that would be a nice crop i'll have to i'll have to noodle on that one yeah it's a good catch good catch I don't think I would uh I don't think I would have would have caught that had I even thought about but you know it's good to have a term now for something that I yeah. that I've noticed in things before. Yeah. Okay. I like it. It makes me wonder about the end when he walks out of the door. I mean, obviously the whole thing is traumatic for him. Yeah. So would it all be if it since it's all over would he would he still act normally or will he have trust issues? I don't know. Something will be happening if he doesn't act normal. Then obviously this reciprocal determinism is imbalanced. Okay. Okay. I I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's I I love that point um may wish that was that was uh excellent point because i like i uh definitely do appreciate these speculation about what happens at the end what becomes of truman uh so that is a that is a wonderful point and we'll get back into a little bit more on this um we're gonna take a quick break so stay with us Hey, listener. Thanks for sticking around this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, I need your help in growing this podcast's audience. In past episodes, I've asked you to share this podcast with five of your friends. Let's keep doing that. Share this podcast on social media, especially if you really liked an episode. Share that episode. Tell five of your friends or family if they have an interest in film or psychology, or even better, both. Growing the audience is our goal for the second year of programming, and so we need your help to get that 
done. Other ways to contribute to the podcast include tips to our PayPal, found on our website, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cinemapsychpod, rocking some sweet merch from our Spreadshirt shop, and or leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Now back to the show. And we are back with Maywish Safdar, a junior undergraduate psychology and sociology major at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. We are talking about The Truman Show, and um, we have a couple more thoughts on it, so we're going to jump right in. So Maywish, you you had one more big concept um, before we get into the last one that we were talking about. You had another concept. Uh, share with the listeners what that last concept that you found was. Um, so one of the things I found was the frustration aggression principle okay. that Truman shows when, well, that's when you're so frustrated that you start projecting your frustration and aggression onto anything else. And Truman shows that when he was picking up Meryl from the hospital Mm -hmm. and he was kind of going crazy with the driving and stuff yeah and that freaked her out so much because he was so frustrated and so what does that lead to in 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 his mind there what common theme do you get from him holding in his frustration um and then oh the common theme yeah the common theme throughout the whole thing is fear okay Fear, yeah. I mean, we talked about it um, just a little bit ago um, that, you know, he's got this fear condition response toward water. But I think they use it in a, in a in quite a bit of a dastardly way, right? So they're manipulating him at every every turn. And so no wonder he would get f- frustrated and lash out at the person next to him, which is either Merrill or or his friend Marlon. Um, it's because they're manipulating him. They want they he's he's essentially a um one of those I have this image in my mind of something in a box, but as soon as it like gets close to the box, it like turns in like a 90 degree right or left or something like that. Um or it was a video game. I'm having weird mental images of something like that you know they they, he's essentially um uh you know pac-man and they're like the walls of the maze are are guiding his directions and where the walls are the manipulations that they make him travel in it's like oh nope we don't want him going too far out of town so we'll say that the you know the the bridge has repairs or whatever um or, you know, when they get even farther out of town after he's trying to flee with Meryl or kidnap her in the case of what was actually happening. Um, they have the uh, and that fire line. That was a weak, weak, weak fire line. I'll tell you what. Um, but then the nuclear disaster that he just runs out of the car, runs straight through, not caring that these guys are in hazmat suits and whatnot. <laughs> um, he does. He gets. He gets all of these roadblocks because they want him to go in a certain direction. Finally, they get him back into town. Um, but even just even what you were talking about earlier with the light falling and that being out of the ordinary, um, which which draws him out of his. Um, normalcy even that light falling um, is explained away with ah crazy weather balloons or weather data satellite or something or other um, falling out of the sky but it wouldn't have smashed like that if it was falling out of the sky it would have uh, disintegrated and made a much larger much much larger uh hole in the ground yeah and that made me like they really could have done so much better at explaining things like they thought of such good ways to 
prevent him from leaving with Meryl, right? But that scene with the elevator, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they couldn't think of anything. Right. Good. <laughs> oh, we're doing some work. <laughs> and if they really wanted to control him and wanted to prevent him from leaving, why did they educate him on such things? Yeah. That's a really <laughs> good point. Why go to the trouble of, of making him uh, just a, a super smart dude in all forms and then <laughs> he's not going to end up questioning his. Exactly. Yeah. you, And that's even a bigger, broader point th that you bring up, which is. Um, uh, the idea that the reason why uh you know ruthless dictators uh break the education system is because they don't want people to rise up because educated people fight the power of some yeah, yeah. um education is the evil of of um the dictator the despot and we all we know that Kristoff does not as Truman's creator want to give that up. Right? Yeah. So that that is that is a, a a good grab there. I really like that. So so we 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 have this manipulation of his reality. And so the last thing that I wanted to add um before your our our um uh our big in the 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 big psych one um that we're that is really fun um i wanted to mention a, uh, the idea of reality which is going to lead into the the last uh concept we'll talk about that um and um christoph says during the interview um which is where we get some background about him as well as uh, the creation of the Truman, uh, the truman show um he says during the interview that reality is what we make of it word with watching actors give us phony emotions. We were tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world he inhabits is in some respects counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. Well, for me, there is no there is no difference between a private life and a public life. My my life is my life is the Truman Show. The Truman Show is a lifestyle. It's a noble life. It is a truly blessed life. It's all true. It's all real. Nothing here is fake. Nothing you see on this show is fake. It's merely controlled. So I thought that was really important because it goes along with our conditioning that we were we were talking about. Essentially, Kristoff and um, the producers of the show have conditioned a human being much in the same way that John Watson talked about um, how he could condition uh, people. Um, I have uh, I, I I will spare you reading the quote uh, on the the episode here, but suffice it to say, he said that um, he could, uh, and I'll paraphrase, that he could get give him ten ten babies, um, and I can condition them to be whatever I want them to be, and he he names um, a really bad profession versus a really good profession. And he he always to the day he died will believe would believe that um, he could shape anybody with conditioning techniques, um, classical conditioning techniques, not even operant conditioning techniques at the moment. You know, at the time, because Watson preceded operant conditioning in its um, in its current form. So. Yeah, it was classical conditioning that he thought he could do this, and so the idea is. Truman, um, or excuse me, Kristoff could shape Truman's reality. But then there's another kind of reality thing is like, wait, what is 
what is real. And we were we were talking about this with respect to, you know, Truman out of the dome. Who can he trust? Yeah. Um, but may wish there's even a bigger uh psychiatric slash psychological um issue so what was your what was your big fun find here so i found that um there's a thing called the truman show delusion yeah wow yeah the truman show delusion and that's when people believe that they're being watched Mm -hmm. in specifically a like a tv show or or reality show fashion yeah yeah, they think that everything is scripted, that um, there's no privacy in their life. <laughs> the, the, exo- the opposite of this movie, but <laughs> it's cool that this is a thing. I, I mean, not cool for the people who have it, of course. Let's let's let's. Uh, but it it is a rather <laughs> interesting. Um, it is a rather interesting disorder, uh, and and. Um, you um you found an article on this so uh what was that article about um the article was explaining more about this and how i think the person who found this delusion they named it because of the show mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um it's not really an official thing like we can't say it's a disorder right it's not official yeah but, it's not in the dsm um yeah but like it leads to them being diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because one of the one of the main positive symptoms to schizophrenia, which is uh, one of the more uh, common psychotic disorders, you know, this break from reality that um, overlay all uh, overlays all psychotic disorders. Um, but one of the, the more common positive symptoms are delusions and these are false beliefs. Um, those aren't, you know, not to be confused with hallucinations, you know, not, not seeing or hearing or seeing things that are not there. These delusions represent a belief about something. Um, and so as, as Mewish pointed out, you know, they, they think they're being, um, they think they're being filmed constantly and all of their interactions aren't real and so it 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 makes a lot of sense that um this is associated with schizophrenia i I was i was um uh surprised that it's uh, associated with um also bipolar um disorder diagnoses but i i guess now that i think about it mania could lead to thinking those um, those delusions are real. It makes me think if movies make people feel like they have some type of disorder. Yeah, I wonder if it is um, relegated to a certain kind of plausible movie, right? It's plausible that... Yeah. Um, this could happen. I mean, say for the ethical issues that I mentioned um, in the first segment, it's plausible that a, tr- a thing like the Truman Show could could occur. <laughs> I mean, already out were uh, reality shows like the Truman, uh, the Truman Show, <laughs> were reality shows like Road Rules <laughs> and um, uh, the <laughs> Real World. I, I blanked on the <laughs> second part of the name. So we got the real world and the road rules, which were two uh, popular, I would imagine, um, popular uh, reality shows even before the Truman Show came out. So it's plausible that this thing could happen. So the delusion does strike me as as it plausible itself because the show looked like it worked. Yeah. (laughs) Like imagine, imagine walking around and thinking like every oval, dark oval shaped, um, object in your vicinity is a, uh, you know, a camera 
or for real, the cameras that are pretty much at every intersection now. Yeah. There's one like in his radio. There's one in his bathroom mirror. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just glad this movie was PG. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have been uh, would have been a a lot different uh, movie (laughs) had they increased it. And they increase the level of intensity there. Imagine Meryl dead. Uh, just like stabbed in the neck with, um, <laughs> you know, a product that she uh, Stanley Stanley scissors. Get him at your local store. And you just see her stabbed in the neck in the kitchen with uh, Stanley scissors in her neck. You do that one more time. I'm going to stab you in the neck. <laughs> with those scissors. And she did it one more time. She did it one more time. So uh, regardless of that lighthearted bit there, I would did want to um, end the discussion on Truman Show with um, a little bit of uh, famous scenage. So May Wish, what is your favorite scene from the movie and why the ending i love the ending so much um so in your in your mind um when does the ending begin when he's climbing the stairs that iconic scene okay and then he's at the top and then he hears a voice from the sky and this made me think of that part through a religious perspective because that when the camera showed the sky with the clouds and the sun through the clouds and then it's Kristoff yeah. voice, it's like God. Yeah. And Truman doesn't have an idea of who the director of the show is. He doesn't know how he looks like at all. So right. I know he thinks that that's God. <laughs> and to me, that seemed like... um. Have you seen The Prince of Egypt? The um, animated the DreamWorks animated? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like that scene when Moses went to the cave and talked to God. That's what it looked like to me. Because mm-hmm. um, Christoph was like, I am the director of the show. I mean, I'm the creator of the show right. and everything around you. Yeah. And... and I really loved the part at the end when he, when Truman was like listening to everything that Kristoff said and Kristoff's getting really emotional saying this world is so good and so perfect and I made it just for you. You don't want to go outside Mm -hmm. of this world because it's cruel or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then Truman was like, and if I don't see you, (laughs) good afternoon, good evening and good night. And it's like he's rejecting religion. Oh, wow. I I totally see it now. This is wonderful. I'm that is so brilliant because Christoph is God, Truman is man, true man. Um and uh Sea Haven represents Eden. Yeah. And um yeah. and it's after, you know, he gives the whole spiel like, hey, don't touch my stuff. Uh my stuff is just on that tree. You can touch everything else. Just don't touch my stuff. Um that is the rejection there. I mean, it was Obviously, the out the the analogy breaks down a little bit right there, but you you see where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. it but it's the rejection of of that, yeah, and they end the basically the end of that story, which is they yep. they had to leave, right? That's yeah. beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I have to follow that up. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> my favorite scene. Let me have a let me have a think about this because I've just been lost in 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 yours now. <laughs> um, my favorite scene actually is and and I can differentiate. I do love the ending, just like um, just like you. Uh, but 
I think what I'll say as my favorite scene is the true mania. Wow. Is he looking at us? Jesus, do you think he knows? Hello? Better call Kristoff. Hello? Come in, Major Burbank. What it turned out to be was an extended um, just riff from Jim Carrey. Um, Completely, I don't know if it was completely ad-libbed, but it was ad-libbed enough. It was was all improvised by him um, uh, just staring at that mirror with the camera behind it and him drawing the... Uh, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, and him talking about true mania and what it is, and it it was a a poignant scene because it, it was essentially Truman going, "I I get it now, I, I understand everything," and just and right after that is the whole uh, he's gone and. We need to find him and all of that stuff. So that was his, and because he ends it with that one was that one was free. Um, so the rest of the movie is his escape. So he understands it now. He he completely he he gets it. Um, so that's my favorite scene, True Mania. Oh yeah, yeah, that scene freaked the people out too. They were like, wait, yeah. Yeah, I'm pre- I I I I'm gonna rewatch it again, but I'm pretty sure that's what I grabbed from it. Um, him him just saying deuces, and uh, that was it. It was it's 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 a great little speech too. So, um, that's it. But then, but I I, I honestly the end is up there too. So for me, there they are on the level there. I want to thank Maywish Safdar for joining me to discuss The Truman Show. Before we say goodbye, Maywish, is there anything that you would like to plug, like your future goals, aspirations? So if you if you have a site, um, if you have your 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 socials on there, you can you can add those and yeah, let us know what you're you're planning to do. Um, so I am planning on Getting to grad school and becoming Wonderful. a clinical child psychologist. Excellent. Yeah, and I heard of this thing called cinema therapy. Okay. That I might use in my practice. I'm I'm gonna have to look like, that up. Yeah, yeah. By laying the um, it's kind of like bibliotherapy. Sure. Where they um make the patient relate to the book and. With kids, they could easily relate to a character in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and better because it's a visual. Yeah. Right. Always better with pictures. <laughs> uh, and uh, your socials? Yes. Yeah, so um, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at mxhwishhh. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, MayWishSofter2, and Letterboxd, <laughs> MayWishSofter. <laughs> <laughs> nice i don't even know what that is uh but what? no i mean that's there are too many things uh too many <laughs> things i can't i can't maybe i'll look it up later <laughs> um but uh i want to thank you again may wish thank you that's gonna do it for this episode until the next time 
Thanks for listening. 